Welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast with Jesse Fritz and Christina Sangera. We are excited to bring you today's episode with chronic illness warrior, Karina Sturm. Jesse, I loved how we went on so many tangents in this episode, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is one of the most relatable in that we talk a lot about our corporate wellness journey. That was a big one. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. I feel like so many people feel stuck with having to be in a system that doesn't liberate them in a way where they can focus on their chronic illness. So Mm -hmm. I like that we, we dove into that. Yeah. And it was interesting. All three of us kind of had like our own stories, but they all were very connected. And we talked about like the connection with COVID and like how great it is that the world has become a little bit more open to remote work, but then also how like a little, a little unfair it is that, you know, some of us with chronic illness have been asking for this for a really long time, or at least asking for some flexibility. And, you know, it was like, absolutely not. And then, you know, the world shut down and somehow everybody was still able to work from home. (laughs) So like we, we really dove into, into that and, and how it affected like all three of us and, and stuff like that. So I thought that was really interesting. And I think, I think a lot of you out there who are listening probably have dealt with similar things. So that was a good, a good piece of it. I will never forget in my corporate gig, I took my lunch. Like I always did. I was one of the few who actually took my hour lunch. Everyone else wanted to get some random cookie, I guess, for (laughs) brownie cookie brownies, all the same. They wanted to get some kind of accolade for working themselves into the ground. And I was not one of those people. We have one of our senior executive people at the place that day. And I came back from lunch. He's like, Oh, you took your full lunch. And he had this really weird look on his face. And I said to him, yes, because if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of my clients. Mm -hmm. And he looked confused by my answer. I'm saying they're thinking, what about that is confusing. Mm -hmm. It's very logical. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, it's crazy. And I remember I used to definitely be the person that like, didn't take my lunch because I would literally get in trouble. And, and like the longer I got into my journey and the different jobs that I had, the more I was like, you know, this is, this is shit. Like, first of all, you're not paying me enough to run myself in the ground. But then again, I don't think you could ever pay anybody enough to run themselves in the ground, but it's just like this constant, like you're, you need to work all the time. You have to be on all the time. You can't take breaks. You can't do this. And I'm like, I'm not like a brain sir. I'm a social media manager for like an online platform. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, like it's okay. Everything will be okay. And it's just, it's crazy. Like the, I don't know, there is like this old way of thinking that you have to work this eight hour, nine hour, 10 hour, 12 hour job. And you have to be at your desk all day and you, you can't take a lunch and you have to stay, even though everybody knows that you're not actually doing any work that entire day. And it's just, it just like is mind boggling. And I, I feel like it's been mind boggling to me for most of my working career, but now more people are like, Oh, I don't need to commute. I don't need to like pretend to be working when I'm not, I can go throw in a load of laundry and still get as much, if not more work done. And Um, I think that more people in the, like the, in like the good health are (laughs) the good health world are noticing that too. And, and yeah, so I tangented there, but that (laughs) that's like, well, no, I I think it comes back to hustle culture and I'm going to read this because this actually just happened. I'm not going to say the name because I'm not into cancel culture, but I will, it's a very well-known celebrity entrepreneur. And this Mm -hmm. is what it says. Working 24 hours a day isn't enough anymore. 
You have to be willing to sacrifice everything to be successful, Mm -hmm. including your personal life, your family life, maybe more. If people think it's any less, they're wrong and they will fail. (laughs) Jesse, when I, that was like, Okay. So I never respond to this stuff because I just try not to get into keyboard warrior. You know how that can go down a rabbit hole. And then two days later, you're still arguing with Susie Smith (laughs) about nothing. Right. So I'm pretty good about it. I commented basically saying, do better. This is terrible advice. If you have to sacrifice those things, that's not success. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. If you don't have your family and your health and your well being Mm -hmm. and your friends and all the things that matter to you. And I think that's part of the problem is We put money on this big pedestal. Money Mm -hmm. is a vehicle. Money Mm -hmm. is not the destination. So I don't know. I was just looking at this and I could not, I couldn't fathom that this person felt okay posting that. Right. You know what I mean? And and like standing behind that, like, I, you know, I, I understand like when it's something that you love or, you know, you're starting your own business and, and maybe you're like, you're having days where you're working longer than you, than you might normally, but I don't know who this person is or what they're looking at, but there are tons of online, um, entrepreneurs or people that work for themselves that are working like three hours a day and making like hundred grand each month. So I think we should be thinking differently. (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) I'm not currently that person, but like it, so it's just like, it's, it's just, it's this ridiculous way of thinking. That's, that's just not true. And if you want it to be true for you, then that's fine. And right. you can live your life that way, but it's, it's not true. And I think, yep. um, like you said, like this money, I mean, money is definitely like a hard thing. And maybe we could have a podcast on this because I feel like money is like one of my biggest stressors in life and it affects my health. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, like my health is the most important thing. And as much as I need a job and I need to work in order to feel in order to like, you know, pay my bills and stuff. It's not going to matter if I can pay my bills or if I can get this beautiful Louis Vuitton purse, if I, you know, can't stand up because I've had migraines for six days in a row, you know, yeah, you, you know, you can't stand up and carry the purse. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. doesn't really make it that exciting. So So yeah, we, we really dove into the work topic, but we also talked a lot about, um, stress during COVID and how that's affected us, all three of us, um, particularly Karina and what she's been going through. We talked about trauma and therapy and like coping mechanisms. So it wasn't all about, um, work and stuff like that, but, but yeah, I think that it was really, it was really fun talking to another person who we love having experts on this podcast for sure. And I think we're all kind of experts in our own little arena of whatever we care about, but it was just interesting to talk to another person like us, who's, you know, still going through things and still having to learn to live her life and, and create a job around what she can and cannot do. And, and, uh, working through therapy and trauma and all this stuff. And she's German. So the the German culture is, is different, although similar that to some of our American hustle culture for sure. So I really enjoyed this episode. I think Karina is really fun and she was super sweet. Yeah. I think our listeners will, will like the relatability factor. And then one thing I like that we spoke about was how in the chronic illness space, we tend to be empaths 
Mm. A lot of us are empaths. And so not just COVID, but anything where vibrationally collectively energy is off that mm-hmm. will add to our load. And that's where it's really good to have some coping techniques. And she talked about a few that I thought were really good that parallel with another episode we had, which mm-hmm. is a sign that that's a really important thing we need to all be doing. So definitely <laughs> listen to the episode if you want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that you guys will all appreciate and love this episode. Um, if you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed on whatever podcast network is best for you rate and review the podcast because that just helps us grow. And we really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Follow us on Instagram, chronically healing podcast, and then our Facebook group, right? We are planning to start doing some, do I want to say what we're doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So autoimmune chronicles is what what we came up with for now. And we want to start doing more what's going on in our life slash educational. Since I have some background in all sorts Mm -hmm. of topics, (laughs) I definitely will come up. Here's an example. So I am really getting away from a one size fits all diet for chronic illness people. And I want to talk about that. You know, I want to dive into why not everyone needs to be on a low histamine diet. Yeah. I just had like a, I just had an Instagram, like piss off the other day. I was so mad about (laughs) something very similar to that. So we can definitely have like a great autoimmune chronicle about that. Yeah. I think it'll just be a really good discussion. And so on that note, what we're going to do for now, we might change it later because you know, we're just having fun on this journey, but Mm -hmm. we decided that we're going to have these episodes go, we're going to go live in our private Facebook group. So make sure you're in there they'll be in the, that link will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And so this will go live. So basically you'll get access to this episode at least a few weeks before it would air here on the podcast. Right. Yeah. So you'll be able to interact and we'll answer your questions live. So if you have questions that pop up or you Mm -hmm. just want to interact with us, you'll be able to do that live if you're in our Facebook group. Yeah. And then you can also over there, give us your, your requests for what you want for future autoimmune chronicles or for, um, experts that you would like to hear from, or just from people that you'd like to hear from. So that's definitely where we're going to be talking about all that stuff is in the Facebook group. So make sure that you join that. And I'm excited for those. I think those will be, I love talking to guests, but I think that we, (laughs) we can tangent on some stuff. So (laughs) we are ready. We are ready for this. (laughs) And I'm always nerding out. So I will best believe I'll come up, I'll come, I'll come in with some PubMed articles to support (laughs) what we're saying in case we have nerd people, nerdy people like me who, I need the data. Well, here you go. Here's the data. (laughs) Right. Where I'm just going to be spouting off my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good balance. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, so yeah, we can't wait for you guys to listen to Karina's episode today. And again, join the Facebook group for our upcoming, um, solo episodes with autoimmune chronicles, but Anything else that I'm missing? Did we talk about leaving us a review? Yes. Rating us? Yay. Okay, yes. cool. You yeah, instilled but- that in my brain so hard that now I'm like, <laughs> I have to say that. I can't not <laughs> say that. <laughs> I know. I'm like over here. But like, it really is important. <laughs> it's how we grow. So it is. Yeah. 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 So, um, we definitely appreciate that. Plus even without growth, it's important. Like I want to know what people are thinking and what they're liking and what they're not liking. So, um, obviously, well, I mean, leave us a five star and then if you have an issue, you can reach out directly. Okay. Okay. Don't mess up our rating. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So cool. Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode and let's dive in. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Christina. We're so excited to be back for another week, another interview for y'all. And today we're talking to Karina Sturm. <laughs> See, now I like I messed it up because I was so con- I was confused in the beginning, guys. Don't don't mind me. Karina Sturm. Thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I'm totally going to keep it though, because that's how my brain works today. I mean, but... I feel like authenticity for the win, right? <laughs> People can see we're real humans. We're not robots. We're not right. perfect. Exactly. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is right before I started this, I asked Karina how to pronounce her name. I said it and then I still stumbled. So it is what it is, but we're super excited to have you today and to hear about your story. So um, I know it's kind of a, an open-ended question, but I would really like to know if you could tell us a little bit about your story. And then I'd like to, um, you can weave it into your story if you'd like, but kind of talk a little bit about the chronic illness, um, chronic illnesses that you deal with. <laughs> oh God, how much time do we have? For this? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my story basically starts in 2010 where I got, um, very, very sick after a medical treatment. Um, and from there, um, you know, I dealt with a lot of gaslighting by medical professionals, um, mainly gender bias and things like that, where doctors would be like, it's all in your head, you're in sick, um, you're just imagining things. Um, I saw probably, I would say somewhere between 50 and 100 doctors in Germany um, back then. And I had all kinds of confusing symptoms like um, I couldn't really breathe properly. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't breathe properly. Um, my neck would hurt. Um, all my joints would start hurting. I had chronic pain, um, lots of neurological symptoms, like I couldn't feel my fingers um, and things like that. And it just mm. progressed from there and went downhill. Uh, I saw lots of doctors. Um, nobody had answers. Then Fast forward four years, um, where I tried pretty much all therapies you could possibly imagine, <laughs> like from normal stuff like physical therapy to like really weird healers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> We're all um, about that woo-woo girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then I decided I would fly to the United States because I just couldn't get any help in Germany. And I hopped over to a different continent. Um, and then four years later, after I, I got really, really sick, I got diagnosed, which brings us to all my conditions. <laughs> um, so I got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome first, which is like a rare connective tissue disorder. Um, but and in short, it's EDS. Um, and EDS rarely comes alone. So it often brings along lots of so-called com- comorbid conditions. And I have, I already forgot again, like a page full of those, like 15 wow. or so. So one of it is mast cell activation. Another one is dysautonomia, a small fiber neuropathy, craniocervical instability, and like lots of really fancy words. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, well, a lot of widespread chronic pain. So that is kind of the short version. <laughs> Karina, I'm familiar with mast cell activation because I am a histamine nerd. Jesse knows this. I want to talk about histamine on the podcast because I feel like it's such a big player and a lot of symptoms. 
So I want to know, can you tell us a little bit about some of the specific symptoms that you deal with as part of EDS and maybe it's branches and specifically Mm -hmm. MCAS, because I feel like mast cell activation is becoming a very hot topic nowadays. And I'm just curious, what Mm -hmm. are some of the things you're dealing with on a daily basis? Funny that you said that um, it's uh, very popular these days. I just saw like a, a professor in Germany who was like, mast cell activation syndrome doesn't exist because like all middle-aged women these days have it. Oh my God. Of course it doesn't exist. That's what we say when we can't figure it out. (laughs) Right. And I was like, well, you know, I am not quite middle-aged, but almost, and I do have that. So, you know, maybe just don't say things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so symptoms related to mast cell activation for me are mainly... um, gastrointestinal things um like can we talk about shit here (laughs) oh we totally can i'm all about poop i have a poop chart that i show my clients all the time i'm like where do you fall on this poop chart let's talk about it um yeah so it's mainly you know diarrhea bloating um cramps and just like lots of pain and Mm. especially related to eating and there are lots of foods that trigger it and um healthy foods too yeah, true. Um, like lots of foods I like, actually. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, I have a really hard time to follow those dietary restrictions. Like I'm very good with all kinds of other things in my daily life, but I feel like I enjoy eating so much and like, you know, I don't want to give that up. So it's really hard to deal with all the histamine and yeah. So that's the mass selectivation in terms of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Uh, in my case, it's um, mostly chronic widespread pain in pretty much all of my joints. Um, and mm. specifically to this complication that's called craniocervical instability. It's like instability of my neck um, that causes lots of neurological symptoms. Like, so sometimes I black out, sometimes I fall. Mm. Um, I have like very weak arms and legs, um, balancing issues, blurred vision. And that's probably the most limiting for me. And then the dysautonomia. Um, It's mainly my blood pressure drops all the time and my heart rate gets really high and then I can faint um, or I get really dizzy or nauseous. Um, My temperature doesn't really regulate well. So I'm either way too hot or way too cold but not really anything in between. Um, yeah, so I, I think those are my, my main conditions. Um, and the other ones are just like, I don't know, add-ons? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no priority. <Yeah. laughs> a la carte. We call those a la carte. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really have a specific family. They just come as they are. You're right. right. <laughs> so thank you for that clarity because I feel like we hear about these different diseases, but for example, I had heard of Ehlers-Danlos, but I had no idea what that really entails on a daily basis. And I actually have been hearing about it more. I feel like I've been seeing it more. So I feel like so many of these things have been around for a long time and we just really didn't know what Mm -hmm. they were. So now we're starting to figure them out and then we can give them a label, which is helpful for diagnosis. How, How long do you think you were dealing with these symptoms before you figured it went figured out that something was wrong something beyond just the normal tired life stuff 
Huh, that's a very complicated question. So it, I had minor things as a child, like, mm -hmm. um, for example, I was always in pain, but it's this typical thing that doctors say to kids with EDS is it's just growing pains. They don't really take it seriously. And then I always had to sleep a lot. I was always tired. Um, mm. I couldn't really run as much during, you know, like sports at school when other kids would run around. I was just like tired all the time. Um, but it was like tiny little things that didn't really limit my quality of life too much. So nobody really connected those dots. Um, and then it got a little more when I was a teenager and then started working at some point, you know, I was like 18 or so. And then I had like these neck pains all the time and like cramps. Um, but I was very athletic back then, did lots of sports. So doctors were just like, well, you're just probably playing too much volleyball. And that's the mm -hmm. cause of that. And <laughs> so um, it wasn't really a concern until um, 2010 when I had this medical treatment that somehow went really, really wrong. Um, so I got injections into my neck um, with a local anesthetic and some cortisone. And then from there, for whatever reason, I almost died. Um, it seems like they injected this directly into a blood vessel. That, oh my God. Um, so I basically went into my brain, right? Mm -hmm. um, and paralyzed like parts of my, um, the center that's like supposed to help you breathe, like the, the part of your spinal cord, basically. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> so from there on, just everything went to shit. Um, it, I just got more symptoms on a daily basis. And yeah, then I just tried all kinds of therapies to stabilize my neck, to stabilize my joints. And it just got worse and worse. I got more unstable all the time. And it was like, how can this start in my neck? And then all of a sudden my knees give up and my arms and whatever. So it just didn't make any sense until one doctor was like, well, those things are all part of a bigger picture. We just kind of need to see the whole body and not only one part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that I wanted to ask you was about work life. So as like, for me, for example, you know, I work online and I don't have like debilitating symptoms. The worst for me is when I have a migraine. And so, you know, I can take a day off of work and I've, but I've had to fight for myself in some of my jobs where I've had to, you know, push for having more PTO or for having more flexibility, but having like debilitating illness where like you can't move or you have like like incurable pain. Like, and I think, I think you said that you had to leave your job, right. Or you weren't able to continue mm -hmm. doing what you were doing. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I think, um, I think this happens for a lot more people than we think it does. And some people just assume that like, oh, well, you know, you work whether you're sick or not, but there are some people that can't do like the typical work. So can you tell us a little bit about your story with that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I just actually started my job in 2009 as a lab technician and I worked in research. So it was a lot of like very physical um, work with, you know, bending and it was just mm -hmm. not possible with all my balance issues, my pain. And especially because all of a sudden I wasn't even able to have an eight hour or even 10 hour job because I was just too fatigued. I, I could barely stand up for like an hour, mm -hmm. um, especially at the beginning of my like severe decline. Um, and then 
well, I was sick on sick leave for a while. And at some point, I mean, I tried to push, you know, push through and go back to work. And then after a week, I would just like completely break down again and have to leave again for two weeks. And this went on for about a year or one and a half. Um, and then I just realized, okay, this, this isn't going to work. I mean, for a while, I always thought like this, maybe this isn't a chronic condition, right? Maybe this goes away at some point. But mm -hmm. then at some point you realize, no, it just doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then I had to quit my job and I was home for a couple of years um, until I actually figured out what else to do with my life. Because, you know, you're 24 years old and everything just gets taken away from you. Mm -hmm. So what am I even good at? Like, I didn't know anything else besides being a lab tech and I loved being a lab tech. Mm -hmm. And that's how I just kind of like by coincidence um, got into journalism I love that. It reminds me of how I felt when I left my corporate gig. I remember I called my mom and I said, mom, I don't know who I am anymore because I was a banker for 13 years and I really wrapped up my identity, which we know in hindsight, what you do for a living. I really feel the two need to coexist, but they can't blend because if what you do for a living hits a pause or isn't going so well, suddenly you're not going so well, suddenly you're on pause. So that was, that was huge. But something that you said really struck me because Jesse, you went through this too. Hustle culture is so oh my, rampant in, in corporate culture, I find, and you're celebrated for overworking yourself. I can't tell you how many times mm -hmm. I got interrupted on my lunch break or almost made to feel semi guilty for taking my lunch when there was a quote unquote opportunity in the lobby. Mm -hmm. And that, right. That was, I think the <laughs> hardest part about working in a setting where I did not have any control over my, my well-being without feeling that shame that kind of occurs in those settings. So I completely understand that feeling of having to be on all the time and go, even despite your body saying, Nope, I'm, I'm not capable of doing that. And I really, for that reason, wish that more chronic illness peeps could get access to work situations that are a little bit more flexible. And mm, yeah. I actually kind of like that COVID did that a little bit. I feel like <laughs> there's way more places that are okay with you working from home. And, you know, as long as you get your job done, I have a team of seven people. I don't care how they get their job done. Just get it done. We have a mm. list. Cool. It got checked off. I'm not asking them well, did you work for eight hours? If you worked for four and you got it done, you go you. <laughs> so I just I like wish that. more, <laughs> right. I wish more companies though would think that way. And I think mm -hmm. then we wouldn't have so many people pulling out of the workforce. I mm -hmm. think people are pulling out of the workforce because we can't freaking keep up with these mm -hmm. crazy, I think eight hour days are too long in general but right. that's another, <laughs> another episode entirely. <laughs> so anyway, I completely empathize. Clearly I went on a rant about that with having to <laughs> leave your job because you can't handle that, that hustle culture mentality. So just wanted mm -hmm. to throw that in there. I think it's even a little worse sometimes in Germany because like mm. everyone here is basically saying, don't show any weakness. Don't be vulnerable just push, push through you just have to get through it's just not okay to say but I can't I just I, I'm physically not able to do that right so what do you want me to do and it just it doesn't make me a 
less worthy person just because mm-hmm. of that but I had to learn that which was a, like a very long process <laughs> yeah I feel that I um I actually went to school for communications which is a very broad topic but I went into like the advertising agency which is known for like these ridiculous hours and you're you know you're just constantly working and plus I wasn't making any money at the ad agency so I had to have a part-time job to pay my rent you know that kind of thing and it I actually I don't want to say blame because I was already I already was diagnosed with my Hashimoto's but I do blame some of those habits that I was required to do on like some of my health decline, because, you know, it was like similar to what Christina is saying, like, we never really took our lunch break. I remember sitting at my desk pretending to work until five 30, because if you left before, if you left at five, even though our hours were eight 30 to five, my boss would look at me like I was some sort of like shoe poop on a shoe or something like she, you know, (laughs) she was just like, not about it. And, and it's kind of continued. And I had to get to the point with like my previous job where I told them, like, I told them in my interview process, like I have an autoimmune disease. There are going to be days that I cannot come into work. And if you can be flexible with me working from home, because I can still do it. I just don't have maybe like I don't using like the spoon thing that like everybody uses in the spoony category in, in chronic illness is like, if I have to take public transit to work, deal with all of the energy of all of these other people walk, you know, six blocks after I get off the train to get there, I won't be able to do anything. So if you let me stay home, I can actually get some more work done. So I'm just adding on to the rant of Christina, but I just feel like, um, I'm, I'm, I am glad that I feel like, like Christina said, COVID has kind of it, even my previous workplace, I don't work there anymore because they were crazy, but even them, like they made some big (laughs) changes where people were able to work from home more often. And they were like, oh, we can actually trust our employees to get their work done. And I think that's a big thing with some of these corporations is that they just don't trust their workers. And I think that says, yes, like they need to babysit you or something. Right. Right. And I'm like, dude, I'm just watching YouTube at work. So, I mean, (laughs) at least at home, if I'm bored, I can go like do some laundry, but, um, but yeah. So anyway, that's like my rant about it, but I have noticed like when I left that job, I was looking for a few other jobs and I have noticed first that there's more opportunities that are remote now because of COVID or at least a hybrid. And then, um, I've noticed too, that there's more companies that are, um, they've expanded their disability part. So usually, you know, when it said like, do you have a disability? I've always said no, because I, I don't, but they've actually started to include things like autoimmune disease, IBS, Mm -hmm. like some of these things that aren't like, I can still walk, like I can still move my body, but there's still, you know, some, I'm not as abled as some people. So I think that that is a good change in direction too, that people are starting to be open to, to more things. And not to mention that even just commuting is stressful, right? Yeah. Oh God. Just not having that commute, right. You're going to be more productive just based on that. Mm. I am a tiny little bit upset that now because of COVID, because it affects everyone, we can be accessible to people. But right. then like when I tried to find a place where I could study, it was like, 
absolutely impossible that they would make an exception for me in terms of like studying online, having lectures online. And all of a sudden it's like, this just works, even though everybody told me this is absolutely impossible and we cannot do this. So this is my part of the rent. (laughs) Yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that my last job, I, I work in social media. So like I can do that literally from anywhere on my phone if I wanted to. And like, they would not let me work from home for more than like one day, every couple of weeks. And then COVID happened. And then, I mean, we sold a, like a, a piece of hardware, like a physical product and our engineers were at home and everybody was at home. And, and then the CEO decided he wasn't going to have an in-person office anymore. And we were going to be a fully remote company. And I was like, dude, I've been here for two years. And every time, I mean, we almost, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just, I'm going off on a tangent, but, but I agree with you. Like there's just, it's, I'm glad that it's happening, but it sucks that, it's not because of the people that have been asking it for it for a really long time. And there's still people out there that, you know, don't have jobs that, that have that flexibility even still. And, and yeah, just, I'm glad that it's opening up the the process, but I wish that our voices were heard a little bit more, you know, didn't take like a global pandemic. (laughs) I agree with that. And I think the main reason that it's the way that it is and that we still subscribe to certain things like the eight hour workday and whatnot, it really goes back to the industrial revolution. And we really adopted these principles that we have a really hard time letting go of. And we kind of follow the general paradigm that's in existence versus, well, I want to be different than that. I want to be a company where my, all of my employees aren't burnt out. I think it takes a certain level of courage, a certain level of letting go of your ego to say this isn't working. And I think that's a big piece is egos really at play with these CEOs, right? They don't want to admit that an eight hour workday or uh, burning out is not going to work long-term. And I think that because everyone else is doing it, it's just normalized. And so that actually leads me to my next question because we've talked a lot about COVID and I know COVID stress hit me like a freaking. Mac truck and <laughs> any kind of stress it will hit us hard when we have any kind of chronic illness, but COVID in particular was a doozy. I don't know if that was how it was for you, Karina, but I was just curious, you know, what came up for you during COVID? What kind of things did you experience that were amplified because of COVID? And when I say amplified, I think the collective energy of the world was very low vibration, stressful, Everyone was very uptight and we're all on different islands of thought. And I think as chronic illness people, I think we also tend to be a little bit empathetic and we tend to be people that feel other energy. So what came up for you during COVID? What did you experience? I'm not sure if you expected that answer because I'm going a little dark now. (laughs) And this is like actually the first time that I publicly talked about this. So um, you kind of feel special. Thank you (laughs) for that. Um, So COVID was like, I mean, like my whole 2020 was a major shit show. But um, when COVID hit, it was like first the anxiety, you know, just of like not knowing what this does to chronically ill people. Because, you know, long COVID having having long COVID on top of everything else. I I have no idea how I would manage that. But that was just like a a tiny little part like this just this tiny little increase of anxiety for whatever reason opened 
all floodgates for me, like every little trauma from my past that I haven't mm -hmm. really dealt with much because I, I always thought I dealt with it. But what I actually did was I just put it in a box and mm -hmm. like acted like it never existed. Mm -hmm. And then all those boxes opened at the same time and they just hit me. And for probably about one or two weeks, I was almost paralyzed. I was just kind of unable to function in any way I was just sitting on my couch staring at the wall and not moving mm. and then it just it just got kind of worse from there I mean like <laughs> with all the isolation then you can't actually talk to people anymore and you're stuck at home all the time um, even like those tiny little walks I took every day were gone mm. um yeah and then there was like a major event in my past when I was like really young um, which was related to sexual assault which mm -hmm. I've never really dealt with and that came back and I had memories that I didn't even know that I mm -hmm. had like I would fall asleep and then dream about things that actually happened that I had completely forgotten or at least pushed away so yeah it was pretty bad <laughs> emotionally. Mm. Yeah, that that's deep. That's I feel like, did you feel, even though it was really hard, I'm curious, are you grateful for that? Because I feel like sometimes I go through some shit and I'm frustrated and I don't know why and I don't like it. But then on the other side of that, there's this massive growth. I get stronger. I'm able to overcome certain things. Have you hit that point yet? Or do you feel like you're kind of getting there? Where are you on that, that spectrum? I think I'm on my way. Um, so I was never really a person for therapy because it always was like, I don't need that shit. I mean, <laughs> again, German culture, right? Deal with your stuff by yourself. Don't like bother other people with it. Mm -hmm. um, but then I kind of realized that I just I can't deal with it alone anymore I was just completely unable and then I started therapy with like the most amazing therapist I could possibly imagine mm. and from there it just got better and better and I actually worked on everything that happened in the last probably 18 years of my life wow. which was obviously like a major major thing right and mm -hmm. like I, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain how much hard work it is to go through every every little trauma you experienced as a as a chronically ill person because there's mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. um and now I feel a lot better I mean like I feel I feel like I'm I'm not actually letting other people tell me all the time what I'm supposed to do I don't say yes as much as I used to because I don't feel like I have to function more you know, mm. because I always felt ashamed or guilty for not being as functional as healthy people. And now I just don't because now I'm, I'm kind of on the way to realizing that I'm perfectly okay the way I am and that nothing that happened to me was actually my fault. Mm. And that helps. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. that. And I love the part too <laughs> about not feeling like you have to show up as someone who doesn't have a chronic illness. I struggle with that now being the, mm. the mom, the wife, the business owner, the boss. So mm -hmm. that that's so true. Learning that it's okay. It's okay to say, and it's okay to ask for help too. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's yeah, I'm not we very good with. at that. 
Yeah. <laughs> Once yeah, you start, you'll learning. never stop. <laughs> <laughs> all it takes is that first time that you do it and then you're going to be addicted because it feels really good to not have to have everything on your, your, your list, your plate. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on the, on the COVID kind of space. Like, um, I obviously, I don't have a past with sexual assault, so I don't want to diminish that, but just on the side of, I went through probably one of the most depressed seasons of my life, um, earlier this year, end of last year, earlier this year. And last year was probably the most anxious of my life between working that crazy job that I was ranting about before, but also the COVID stuff. It really, it scared me. I've always been someone that always caught everything and I wasn't sure how it was going to affect me. I'm also an extrovert. So like not being able to leave the house was very detrimental to my mental health. And And it just kind of kept piling on. And then, like you said, it brings up these old traumas that you're not even like, you don't even like think about. And it's like, it's just, it's like you're home alone and your, your mind is like, Hey, remember that one time that like your, your parent said something that made you feel fat for the rest of your life. Like it just like, you know, it just kind of keeps going. And I really I really had a hard time with the, the isolation, the fear on both sides, um, and just everything that kind of went with it. And I really struggled with my mental health earlier this year, like not getting off of the couch. That's the podcast took a very long hiatus because I wasn't able to move, which then con it caused uh, chronic pain issues because I wasn't moving my body. So it was just like this, this big thing. And therapy was definitely helpful for me. I've been in therapy on and off throughout my, um, like throughout my early thirties, but it, it was really helpful having a good therapist who can kind of take you through that space because especially being home all the time, I'm home all the time with just my husband and, you know, that's creating a strain on the relationship too. So, so yeah, I feel like COVID was super stressful for everyone. I don't want to like diminish <laughs> anyone, whether whatever you want to believe or not believe, but those of us with chronic symptoms who already have, who are already kind of like, you know, balancing our health or some of us kind of are afraid of our health cracking. Um, it can just be this, like this spiral of, of stress and, and anxiety for sure. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I had a therapist during COVID. I feel like this is a theme. (laughs) (laughs) And I still have her. I actually, like you, Karina, I found someone who was, who is amazing. She actually works specifically with people who are highly sensitive. So she, that's actually how she advertises herself as someone who works with highly sensitive people. And she really helped me to separate myself more from the situations at hand, because I tend to blend in with the stressors at hand. And one thing that I, I really took from my time with her, and I don't know if you guys experienced this, but when we're stuck in fight or flight mode, be it that we're chronically ill or the world is collapsing <laughs> around us, mm-hmm. it's really easy to start getting hypervigilant. And then when you're hypervigilant, happiness and joy can literally feel like a threat because mm-hmm. you're forming this new identity of, I need to be alert. I need to be ready for the next thing. And so happiness, joy, just enjoying the present moment starts to feel really foreign. You're not really quite sure if you can trust them. 
So that was really helpful for me to get back to being okay with being okay. I had to get back to, it's okay to feel okay. It's actually something I want to pursue on a daily basis because I had gotten stuck in fear. At that time I was reading the news every freaking day. Even my damn Alexa had news and I'm like, Alexa, (laughs) take all COVID news off. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't understand. Alexa. (laughs) Oh, I definitely think COVID as it relates to, because when we're chronically ill, are we not already in our head a lot? I feel like that's just part of the territory. So when you have this big global event occurring, I feel like that amplifies it, which is obviously evidenced in all of our experience. So thank you for sharing that with me, ladies. I'm glad to know I'm not alone. (laughs) Well, I was going to talk a little bit about coping techniques because Karina, I saw on your blog, you have some really cool coping techniques. Some of them we've, we've heard before, but I feel like it's not the fact that it's in existence. It's what you do and your spin on it. So what are some of your go-to coping techniques for dealing with a flare? I'm sure you have some new ones after the last 18 months of interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try. <laughs> I mean, um, I try to start meditating, but then I kind of realized I'm, I'm such an impatient person and mm. just like lying still not thinking about anything was like almost impossible but I I kind of got there so that was like one new thing that I started mm-hmm. um like my main coping mechanism has always been and is still writing mm-hmm. um and w- like whether it's diary or like you know journaling or um then I have this little you know lists where you say thank you I'm grateful for mm-hmm. blah 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 today and just something that makes me forget about other things that don't go well um so that's my main thing um the one thing that I always loved was like paddle boarding or it really anything on water um mm-hmm. it's the most calming for me and especially during COVID this was actually the perfect activity <laughs> because there are no people around and you can just like at least be a little active and outdoors um well I listen to loud heavy metal which is probably not for everyone Mm-hmm. and then I sing um, and not very good <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really like singing or even screaming can mm-hmm. be so freeing yeah um, and then like the most weird thing that I did during the pandemic was I shaved my hair mm. and I just loved it because so first of all I hate going to the hairstylist anyway because it hurts my neck so mm. that's why I always had short hair and then during the pandemic I obviously didn't want to go to a hairstylist so it was like what do I do with these hair they look horrible <laughs> so I just went down to I think like 10 millimeters um, and then I went down to one millimeter <laughs> so it's basically completely bald <laughs> um, and that was like empowering and freeing and to the point that I would just shave my head every week Mm. whenever I was stressed I would just shave my head (laughs) so yeah I mean and then there are like usual coping mechanisms like um, breathing exercises um, just being out in nature going for a walk or a hike Uh, also petting dogs Mm -hmm. there is actually a study that petting an animal uh, for 20 minutes makes you happy mm-hmm. and I, f- I feel like that's absolutely true <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yes 
Jesse, I don't know if you're hearing the parallels. Yeah. So remember we had the episode where we literally, Renee. so Renee, mm-hmm. our guest, she, she changed her, her look completely. Yeah. She cut her hair. She didn't, she didn't uh, shave it, but she did cut it. <laughs> and then the creative writing, what was it? Gosh, I'm forgetting the name in specific, but it was, it, it wasn't creative writing. It was, it was um, writing to just basically start to overcome chronic illness and work through it. Mm-hmm. So that really resonated with me. That seems to be a theme. Yeah. Yeah. Writing. I'll, I'll also say petting dogs. My dog is what um, my dog, I think got me through stress <laughs> more than mm-hmm. my therapist some days, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, like the writing for sure. That's always been like a, a thing for me too. And I think it's interesting. You said this about singing that you sing, even though maybe not well. Um, and that's, we kind of talked about that in our, um, interview with Renee as well about writing is like, you don't have to be good at it. Like, that's not the point where you're not out here trying to like, uh, maybe you are trying to make money with whatever you're doing, but if you're just doing something as a coping mechanism or something, that's really helping you feel better. You don't have to be an expert at it. You just have to do it. Nobody has to hear you or read what you wrote or anything like that. And I think that, um, that can like hold a lot of us up, especially me. I'm a, like an Enneagram three. I like to be like very perfect at everything that I do. And sometimes that'll hold me back from writing, even though I love to write, but I'm like, Oh, but this isn't like, I can't publish this. I can't like whatever. And it, it doesn't matter. Right. It's just like writing for the, the feeling of it. True. But I'm kind of the same way. (laughs) Mm. But um, I think the point with journaling is it's not really writing or not professionally writing for me. It's just like talking to a therapist or talking to a friend without actually bothering anyone. I just like get rid of all the emotions. I, I curse, I can be mean. I can be, I can, it just can be myself without like actually going out and giving that burden to someone else. So that's why I love journaling. Mm-hmm. And you get some good downloads. I call them downloads. Something just kind of hits you an answer to a question or how to solve a problem or how to deal with a person. I feel like that always, I call it my therapy in between my therapy. So I do the therapy (laughs) and then I journal because I don't want to be in therapy eight times a week. That's, (laughs) I mean, you know, who has the time (laughs) or the money, (laughs) right? (laughs) Depending on how good your insurance is, it can really get up there. I totally agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. So what does having a voice in the chronic illness space mean to you and how, how does that kind of play out in your daily life? I don't really think I ever wanted to be a voice for anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was, it was basically a coincidence because like back then when I got sick, there was pretty much no information on EDS in Germany, Mm -hmm. you know, because everything is English. There's a lots of like English publications and whatever, but there is no translation and lots of people here still don't speak English. So um, there were many people that just asked me, why is there no German resource? And I was like, okay, well, why don't I just create one if there Mm -hmm. is none? And that's when I started my blog. And from there, if you're the only person that has a blog in a country <laughs> on like <laughs> one specific topic, then you meet a lot of people and it just develops from there. And then I realized that, um, especially in the 
in the chronic illness community, lots of people, they don't really want to use their own voice because they, they, I mean, there are lots of reasons for not telling anyone that you're chronically ill, right? Especially your, your boss or even your family. Mm-hmm. And they kind of use me as their voice. And then I felt this huge responsibility for other people. So I just like, I didn't want to screw up. Mm. <laughs> so I started to like get more educated about chronic illnesses, about proper language, about the disability community overall. And I kind of made, I guess, my chronic illness my shop in the end, because now I'm writing about nothing else besides disability and chronic illness. And it's probably the most important thing I've ever done. And it gives me just so much purpose. It makes me feel like I'm actually doing something useful, mm-hmm. even much more than back then when I worked in research, because now I feel like I actually directly affect other people and kind of can support them in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Awareness is really powerful. Helping people understand, I think not knowing we're knowing that we're not alone, that's really big. Yeah. Giving people hope. Like you said, mm-hmm. you kind of felt alone on your journey. If you can inspire even just one person, that's awesome. I think sometimes with social media, we we get really tied up in the numbers. And someone had this really great analogy and they said, let's say you have a hundred followers on Instagram. That's the equivalent of a hundred people say coming to one of your talks. That's a hundred people filling a room. That's a hundred people that are absorbing what you have to say. That's important. Mm -hmm. And I really started to shift my mindset around how many views did I get and how many this, and it's like, who did I, who did I touch on? Who did I love on? Who took something from this? Even that one person matters, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you can inspire even just one person, that's a domino effect. That person's Mm going to inspire someone else who's going to inspire someone else. And I think if we get back to real connections and we get away from the glamour of what social media likes to kind of instill in us, Mm -hmm. I think then we can really get into, because I don't know about you, but doesn't it fill your cup to help others? It feels good, right? You know, like you get something from that too. So I don't, I like to think of it like that. It's like, I, I can inspire even just one person. If only one person watches my live video, thank you to that one person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hope I inspired you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because maybe you'll inspire them to talk more about their story who will, you know, help someone else who has those symptoms and didn't know about it, you know? And, and even for me starting this podcast, a lot of it was because when I found out that I had hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's, whenever I would like look online on Facebook groups and stuff like that, because that was super popular. <laughs> um, it, it, everybody was mean or like, I remember particular or like specifically this one person said, um, that basically like, she blamed Hashimoto's for her divorce and, you know, her husband hated her because she got fat and she like, wasn't, she was crabby all the time and like all this stuff. And I was like two weeks out from my wedding and I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Like I was like, you know, I, in, it was one of those things where it's just like, we just need more voices out there who are spreading positivity, but also spreading like just being real about things, but also trying to take away a little bit of that, that super negativity, because I think when you get diagnosed with something or you're trying to figure out your own diagnosis and you like go and read a blog or listen to a podcast or whatever, 
if you, if it's like me where, you know, the first three Facebook groups that you join, I'll tell you that basically you're going to be fat and mad and alone for the rest of your life. It's like, fuck, (laughs) like, this is terrible. You know? So it's like, yeah, it's just like, we need more voices out there that are spreading positivity and, and information that is actually helpful for people versus just like, I mean, I get it. Everybody needs to whine and complain and be upset about where they're at. I've definitely been that person. Um, and I still am some days, some hours, some minutes, (laughs) but like we, we also just need space where people can gather information instead of, um, taking on other people's energy. You know, it can just be a lot for us. Well, and I also think that those Facebook groups are very dogmatic and there's nothing mm-hmm. I despise more than dogma, especially in today's <laughs> times, but I don't like dogma. I don't like saying that this is the only way because mm-hmm. you don't get to say that without having had someone's lived experience. Right. And so I'll, I'll go into these groups and if you go against whatever it is they believe in, in that group, man, you get attacked. There's this one group on Facebook in particular that they have a very specific diet plan that they want you to follow. And if you don't believe in that diet plan or God forbid Mm. you post about that diet plan, not working for you, it's, it's must be you. It can't (laughs) be the diet plan. So I don't like dogma either. I think that Mm -hmm. we're all really unique and individual and our needs therefore are unique and individual. Mm -hmm. Even as someone who coaches others in this space, I never look at someone and and just put a label right away. I'm always like, let's go and look at your intake forms. Let's see where you're at. I would never just give someone something or have someone follow a protocol without actually thinking about their individual needs. So that's Mm -hmm. my other beef is the dogma. I think we should be really (laughs) way more accepting of each other's differences, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. True. So, okay, Karina, we're almost to the end of this. And one of the things that we love asking our wonderful guests is what are some things that you do every day to keep yourself feeling your best? I know we touched on a few things, but what are some other Mm. things that come to mind that you want to leave our audience with? I try to eat healthier now. <laughs> like I was a, let's just say I, I liked Italian food a lot, especially like the fatty stuff, like pizza. Mm. <laughs> so I changed yep. my diet, uh, eat more salad, more green stuff, which is if if you'd known me like 10 years ago, you would know how huge this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I try to be, active I actually um I started to train or exercise my way up from a thousand steps a day which wasn't much um to six thousand which I can't do every day but like I'm at least I'm getting better at walking um it's not sports but like for people with EDS I think they know (laughs) how much this is if you can actually walk for six thousand steps or an hour a day um so those are the things that are kind of like my own main focus is like healthy eating and um, exercising mm-hmm. and yeah I try to have a good sleep hygiene um, I spend a lot of time in or at the water because that just calms me mm. and well writing yeah <laughs> that's something I do every day mm-hmm. and yeah I've started to connect more to um, like old friends um, because mm. I realized that I kind of the whole isolation of 2020 and also chronic illness makes you very alone sometimes because you just don't have the energy to talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized I should I should prioritize 
my mental health and my friends over like my work and responsibilities mm -hmm. um so that's that's i think that's my main focus right now is prioritizing myself over things that other people tell me are my responsibility mm -hmm. i like what you said too when you were explaining the things that you do that you're you're just trying to be better you're eating healthier you're getting in more steps you're do and i think that that's something that is important. Even for me, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get 10,000 steps in, which is like, not something that I can do right now. <laughs> I haven't been able to do that for the last year. Like, or, you know, like eating healthy, like I'm going to eat entirely vegan, or I'm going to eat entirely keto or whatever the heck it is. And it's like, no, just like, I'm going to eat more salad. I'm going to take more steps today. I'm going to, you know, do a little bit. I'm going to reach out to one friend this week or right. something like that. And I think that's a really good reminder for everybody that's listening out there, because I think a lot of people are kind of in this, like, oh my gosh, it's almost the end of the year. Like I didn't do anything with my life in 2020 or 2021. Like I need to <laughs> fix everything. And really it's just like, what can I, and what can I add to my life instead of restricting? Like, what can I add and yeah. how can I make it like tangible? Right. What can I enhance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I love that. But, I, I love that. Yeah. Because especially if you're doing something that makes you feel bad, like if I'm eating only salad and I'm just like not happy about it, then I right. will probably <laughs> begrudgingly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, then I give up after a week or so, but if I just add a little bit that improves my life a tiny little bit, then I can keep this up and maybe, you know, at some point I'm eating green stuff like a rabbit. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So if people wanted to connect with you or find out more about you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm kind of everywhere. Um, <laughs> I have a blog, which is called Holy Shit, I'm Sick. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's bilingual, but the English part is a little tiny still, um, but I'm working on that. <laughs> uh, I made a film, which is called Via Visible. Um, it's online too, and there's a website. And mm -hmm. then there's my journalistic work, which is on karina-sturm.com. And then I have like lots of social media profiles under my name. Mm -hmm. and we'll put you in the show links too. So people can click on that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like Christina said, we'll have everything linked for you. So everybody can grab that and they can come check you out, but thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I loved where our, our little tangents went throughout the conversation. <laughs> I think it'll be um, just really relatable and helpful for our listeners. So we really appreciate you being on today. Yeah. And nice. I appreciate your authenticity too. I love your, I love how you're real, you know, you talk about the struggles and I was reading your blog. I liked how it was kind of the sandwich of holy shit, this sucks, but here's some things I'm doing to cope. So <laughs> you're not just complaining, right? You, you have some things that you're also doing to cope. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Okay. Let's mm -hmm. complain. And then let's also have some things that we're doing to try to move forward. And I like that you, you have that approach, but you don't sugarcoat it or pretend when you're not a hundred percent. So I yeah, dig it. I try to do my best. <laughs> <laughs>